0: Thanks for listening to Speak LA Hollywood's number one resource for actors. I speak LA you speak LA. We all speak LA. Who wrote this?
1: Hey Jen.
0: Hey Cam Cam. Oh Oh, she
1: likes the Cam Cam. Love it when she says Cam Cam. I save it for special. special I wish I had a drum so I could do that roll. Right. right. (laughs) Roll thing. Um, So I'm really excited about who we're talking to today. Catherine Irby.
0: She's so great. I know. I've been a huge fan for a long time. Me
1: too. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be great. I'm very excited. Me too. Me too. So, um, you know, before we get to that, I got to ask you any, uh, something LA. Yeah.
0: Let's see. Um, oh, I have some news. I have something. I, uh, I saw a tiger this week Well, not a tiger. I saw, uh, I guess, a bobcat. (laughs) But it might as well have been a tiger. I think you just in LA LA define yourself as LA, right there. And I have to be clear, I didn't actually see it. There was a sign posted that someone had seen it, (laughs) but I felt like I still can kind of say that I saw it because I was so freaked out to hike the canyon because there's bobcats
1: or a tiger or a or I mean a a tiger, a lion. I mean a (laughs) panther. I mean let's maybe an elephant. You just don't know. I,
0: listen, I love nature. I don't want to die by being eaten by
1: a tiger. I don't want you to die either. I just really like having you around. At what age did you become interested in acting?
2: I fell in love with acting doing school plays in elementary school. So the first play I did. And remember doing was in first grade, and I played Chicken Little, <laughs> <laughs> and remember my wardrobe and everything. So, uh, it, you know, I, it, I th- those experiences of doing the school plays and mainly being with the troupe of of people performing together. And then, of course, the applause and the celebration of the performances. I I just loved from a really early age.
1: Oh, I love that. school, cool, yeah. How old were you when you got your first job in the industry?
2: My first paying job was as an extra, which we don't call them that anymore, but as a background actor on one of the soaps. And I can't for the life of me think of what the name was, but it shot in, it filmed in the city on 59th Street, I want to say. And I was a junior at NYU um, undergrad drama and was not supposed to be auditioning for things or working (laughs) during school hours, but I did it anyway. (laughs) And I think I was 22 at the time. So I was a little bit late going to college because I was a high school dropout and dropped out of high school and then went back to an alternative high school before going on. Oh, my
0: God, that's so interesting. Wow. (laughs) Um, On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the highest, how nervous were you when you got your first speaking role?
2: I was really super nervous. My first speaking role was on another soap opera soap opera called Another World out in Brooklyn, and I think that was the first. It may have been, you know, I may have had an under five on another soap opera that I had started out as an extra, but that was an actual role where I had to preach safe sex to the teenagers on the show. (laughs) 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 And it was just scary, so scary. Especially because you look like a teenager. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, I was not a teenager and trying to pretend like one, that, that I was one. and it was, Yeah, it was scary because th- that work is really hard. I don't know if anybody uh, really talks about how hard that work is, but the soap opera actors work so hard. And it's a machine that you have to be on. You can't slow it down or else it'll run you over. <laughs> cool.
0: That's, that's good. That's good to know. What was your initial impression of L.A. the first time you came to L.A.?
2: Oh, my God. Well, the first time I came to L.A. is kind of a funny story because back then, this is like the dark ages. You know, we didn't have cell phones. And <laughs> I, I was a senior at NYU. It was a weekend. I had auditioned for a pilot. Uh, it was pilot season. So I basically, where they told me to go, I just went and said whatever lines I was supposed to say and then left and, you know, went back to school or whatever. You know, I, I I had other things to think about, so I wasn't fixated on any one thing. And it was a weekend. I think I was working on my finals at the time, and my I had a boyfriend who lived in Tribeca. And I was at his apartment, and these were the days of the, uh, the you know, answering machine. So I called in to see if anybody had called, and there were about 50 phone calls from my agent. Where are you? Where are you? <laughs> we need you. You have to get on a plane.
0: Oh, my God. Just fly to
2: Los Angeles. To <laughs> oh, my God. So I, you know, she's like, we have to, because they, they have to. You have to hammer out the deal before you get on a plane. Right. So you're signing away seven years of your life, um, or however many it was. I don't even remember. It was all really a blur. And so I just basically ran back to my apartment, threw things in a bag, got in the car that pulled up out front, went to the airport, and landed in the dark, didn't see any of L.A., and was was driven to the Hilton, Universal Hilton.
0: Mm-hmm. Still there?
2: Checked in, and I went upstairs, and I was a smoker at the time, and I, I ran out of cigarettes, so I came back downstairs. I had like $2 in my pocket, and I asked the front desk if I could walk to an ATM where I could buy cigarettes, and could they point me in the direction? And they just looked at me with blank they had, you know, they didn't know what to say. They were like, well, you could walk, but, <laughs> but we do not recommend it.
0: Nobody walks
2: in L.A. <laughs> oh, my God. So I was really discombobulated and, you know, someone, it was all sort of a blur. I remember getting picked up and taken to um, MTM Studios, which is there in Studio City, and testing for this thing. And there were other actors you know other actors up for the same part right there and mm. they came out and told me I got it right in front of them and I wanted you know I was thrilled and also horrified that oh they would man be so heartless seemingly heartless you know and I had a blast I stayed to do the the show and um I just thought LA was phenomenal and the show got picked up so I I ended up moving there for about four months, and it took me about three days to stop crying because I was, you know, there by myself and scared to death. But once I identified where the Betsy Johnson store was, <laughs> <laughs> and got a boombox so I could play music, which really helped me enormously, and sort of got the lay of the land right. with my rental car and, and knew how right? to get around the Thomas guy, remember the Thomas yeah. guy. And then I just loved it. I loved it.
0: Um If you had to sum up LA in one word, what would that word be? I want to say warm. Um, mm. <laughs> sure. It's definitely warm. It is warm. In more ways than one. That's really, cool. Uh,
2: yeah. Sunshine and warm. And, uh, you know, it just, Uh, It felt, it feels so, it's sort of the antithesis of New York in a way, you know, it's, um, there's something really sunshiny and warm about being out there. It feels hopeful and um, life, you know, things smell good, (laughs) um, you know, some of my memories are like... Thing at the Marmont back, you know, I had like a tiny little, the tiniest room they had there, <laughs> and smelling the rosemary bread baking, and I just people, I, I find the people there and the other actors there really warm, and you know, it's it, I I like hanging out out there. Cool, I oh, love that. Fun. Me too.
0: So yay, we're so excited oh, to be getting so to excited. talk to Catherine Irby today. Catherine, thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you. Really, my um, pleasure. Yeah, this and we're awesome. we're we're extra excited because this is actually our first remote podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, this is so we're actually on the phone with Catherine because she lives in New York, and uh, and we're wearing
1: headphones and which we're wearing is headphones. Really fun, yeah. So we feel very <laughs> we feel very professional. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with our headphones. Um, so yeah, so it's it's great to to be on the phone and and be talking to you. Thanks for being with us today.
1: Yes, thank you. My pleasure.
0: So I'd love to just kind of start at the beginning and hear what the early days of your acting career were like. And before before you answer that question, though, I just have to start by saying. What About Bob might be one of my favorite movies of all time. So <laughs> if Aww. anybody listening has not seen that movie, after you listen to this <laughs> podcast, go watch that movie because you you are so great. It's a movie with Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfuss, and it's fantastic, and um, Catherine plays a little girl, and I just found out today you actually were how old when you sh- shot that film? 25. Oh, my God, which yeah. is
1: crazy. <laughs> which makes the story even better.
0: <laughs> because she uh, plays – an 11 year old is that mm-hmm. right
2: no no and what oh. about Bob I played 16 oh I think okay I 16. okay wait yeah. where were you Anna, 11, you... Anna was 16 in okay so the movie yeah that the first movie I ever did was right around the same time as this that whole um pilot to series thing that okay. happened in LA but um shortly before that and uh, it was a movie called *Runaway Dreams*, which never came out in the United States. It went to uh, the Deauville Film Festival in France, and I guess it has a life. It had a life in Europe, um, but it was uh, a movie written by the playwright John Hopkins. Oh, wow! And the British British playwright John Hopkins, uh, contemporary of Pinter, and um, friend of Harold Pinter, and of that you know whole.
1: Oh sort of right, cool. A group of yeah. people
2: then. Um, Shirley Knight's husband. Oh, okay. Married yeah. to Shirley Knight, father of Caitlin Hopkins, who was also in the movie. And my dear friend, Michelle Noble, who wasn't my dear friend then, um, hired me to play the younger sister in this movie. Um, Jennifer Gorey played the older sister. And um, we were kids, girls in a in a family where the abusive family and we ran away to Florida. (laughs) um, I was cast as 11 and then they changed it to 13 and, and with looping because it was ridiculous. I was 22 at the time.
0: Oh my God. But you did look so young. I mean, even so if, in what about Bob, you were 25 playing 16. Like that's, that's a big, like you and you still look really young today. I mean, I, I know Aww. that, but, um, that's, I mean, that's so great to be, and that's great. I think for people to hear, you know, that, that how, how often that does happen. I mean, you know that from being in the business, but I don't, I, I didn't know that when I first came to LA that, you know, often there are 30 year olds playing teenagers. That's so interesting.
2: Yeah. It's, it makes it easier for the production because you don't need, uh, you know, an, a parent or a teacher, you know, they don't yeah, have to break first. Right. They can shoot for regular hours. They don't have to break for your school hours. Or, right. Um, right.
1: You know, yeah. you had said earlier that one of your first jobs was background work and that mm-hmm. you were still in college when you went and you pursued, you know, you found the, the audition. Did you audition for that or, or how did you find that, that first job?
2: That's a really good question. I feel like I must have, but yeah. I honestly don't remember. I just think I it's would so think cool I
1: that you did it. Yeah, me too. <laughs>
2: Sorry to interrupt. I just, I think that's
1: such a brave thing to do while you're still training and you're still in school to go out there and, and get that experience right away. It's it's really smart. And I'm I'm sort of curious as to, you know, how you had the chutzpah, like how yeah. did you was it just something you were sort of like all right I'm I'm in school I'm going to start getting out there I'm going to start finding cuz that's you know we talk a lot about the business side of of this world and that's very much you know the hugest part of it is auditioning and getting out there and looking for jobs so so yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit yeah. more about that kind of if you if you remember I know that was you know your first job but that's so cool that that you did that
2: Well, and at NYU, they said, you may not work, You, you know, you, you cannot, don't get an agent, don't work. And I, you know, as I said before, I was a high school dropout. I, I guess I've always been the kind of person who, I don't know, I get an idea and I do it and it's not always the right thing to do, but, um, I, I don't even really remember. I know that my mom her husband own, was had relationships with a photographer in New York. So this guy did my my mom's husband a favor and took a, a headshot photos of me, which are hilarious. I wish I could show you <laughs> I them. I wish I
0: could see them. Um,
2: do you still have them <laughs> there? I do somewhere. Oh, like that's my great. My hair is blowing back, and my eyebrows are gigantic <laughs> and <it's> borderline unibrow. <laughs> um, you know, I don't even know what I'm wearing because life, you know, it was really different then. Yeah. Um, I feel like the rules for young women were not as highly sexualized as they are now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was wearing like a, a gigantic striped sweater that I, you know, the photographer had. I don't think I even brought options. I didn't own makeup, you know. Right. Um, but I got these photographs and I sent them out to maybe 10 agents. And one called me back, and um, she thought my mother would be answering the phone. Because we
1: were so young. <laughs>
2: yeah. She called me in <laughs> my dorm room, and I, I called her back or answered or whatever, and, and I started working with them. They were a great agency, J. Michael Bloom. They had a children's department, and I went out through the children's department. And so I, I, I guess, you know, I just decided to do my own thing and my teachers didn't really notice. I kept up with my schoolwork. And to be honest, at the end of that two years, because I think I started that my junior year and worked my way from background work on soaps, which was the perfect way to start Mm -hmm. because it was relatively low stakes, you know, learning how to take uh, direction and blocking and, staying out of the way of the, the other, act, you know, the main actors and dealing with, with uh, big personalities, I can remember. Um, one thing I had to do was walk to the, uh, the, the water fountain and get a drink. Mm-hmm. And so instead of pressing the button and checking, I asked if it was real. And the actor playing one of the lead kids said no you have to act <laughs> and I was like can we swear on this I was literally <laughs> like every expletive in my in in my vocabulary went through my head that this guy was just such a jerk but I didn't say anything you know I didn't I, I just I, I just did my job and that alone was a huge lesson yeah um that I would carry on and at the end of these this two years my last few years at NYU, you know, I had gone from background work to a line here, a line there, to a recurring role and um, thinking I was rich because I got paid $700 a week. I got my <laughs> own apartment and then I never did that job again, <laughs> um, all the while working in a store in the East Village and going to school and going to nightclubs. And when I graduated, having done that film as a 13 year old and done the pilot, I, I was ready to like, I was ready to actually enter the workforce because I had already been working. Whereas the rest of the people I was graduating with, and I believe this may not be true, but I was the only member of my graduating class, which included Phil Hoffman, by the way. Oh, and wow. We at Strasbourg together. And so many talented people, you know, I was the only one with an actual job as an actor to go to. Um, oh, my God. I love that. Um, that's amazing. The, yeah. So it was, and, and one of my mentors had me come back to NYU and tell the students that to their credit, you know, um, because it was, I mean, they didn't have the thing then where they, um, where they have nights where you get to do a scene for agents and managers. Yeah, industry nights or whatever, when you're graduating, they didn't do anything. They didn't bridge the gap in any way between school and the business in any way that I can remember in a meaningful way. So.
1: Wow. That's really, I, what I love about that,
0: cause you know, we, we were very much reaching out to actors at the beginning of their careers and that's who we, we hope is, is listening a lot of the time and, and other actors too. But, um, what I love about that is just, I, I do think you have to kind of push up against, not not break rules, but sort of find, you know, where the barriers are and kind of push up against it in any field to, mm-hmm. to have okay. success. And I love that you um, were kind of finding that and, and making your own rules. And I think that's, I love that.
1: Yeah, me too. And getting out there and, <laughs> and also just, you know, sort of the progression that you went through too. You know, you're learning at school and then you're also on set as a background actor and kind of working your way up to that one line, one liner. And it's, you know, your, your capacity of confidence just keeps growing as you, as you get out there and you do more and more within the, within that world. So that's really awesome.
2: Katie, I'd love to,
1: oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: No, no, I was just going to say I was lucky that it went that way. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I'd love to ask you about, you know, I know I really struggled with this as an actor, and I think so many actors do, is just nerves and getting nervous. And oh. um, <laughs> and I'd love to know, God. if A, if you still get nervous, and B, how you deal with it, you know, if you have any sort of tools or tricks.
2: Well, I guess I'll be uh, brutally honest, because that's really... What i value when i talk to people mm-hmm. when they're brutally honest mm-hmm. with me so I, I get nervous every single take every single show every single audition
0: wow That's um
2: it has not eased in fact i it may be worse now than it used to be but i don't know that i really have a have a good you know measure for that but i guess. I've used a lot of different uh, techniques to kind of deal with it. Mainly, just just accepting it um, and trying to find a way to work it into the character, if there's a way to apply it to the scene. Mm
1: -hmm. That's great.
2: You know, I that.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. No. No. Go on.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, I love that you're saying that because everything you're telling us is so brave that you did. <laughs> yeah. It's just amazing oh. to me that you walked through that, those nerves to actually keep auditioning and show up like that. But, but I want to, I want to hear a tip. I'm sorry I interrupted. No, <laughs> that's we can't okay. see your face I, from I, over I, here.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had, you know, better, uh, better techniques because sometimes I just don't deal with it. You know, sometimes I don't handle it well and it, an audition really doesn't go well. Um, the things I, you know, I think that what you said about breaking the rule or forging, you know, creating your own path is really important because there are times when I've had, you know, this life as an actor is like a Zen puzzle, right? Um, mm-hmm. Finding a way to be okay with, you know, letting go of the results, just showing up and doing your best, just for the sake of doing that, uh, you know, just for the sake of doing the audition, getting in the room. Let alone whether or not you get the job. The thing that has made me the least happy about this job is when I have allowed other people's perceived opinion of me dictate how I feel about myself. That's great. And so, you know, uh, my friend Michelle, who directed that movie Runaway Dreams, she's still a really dear friend of mine. Um, She said it to me at one point, you know, go in that room and and do the scene is how you would want to do it if you were playing the part. Because I was stuck in a rut of trying to do what I thought wanted me to do. They, quote unquote, Mm
0: -hmm, the -hmm.
2: people with the job that I wanted. And. You know, the more I can think of myself as a collaborator and someone who's going to bring this thing that I can do because of me being me, you know, this thing that I can do that nobody else can do, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure, but be me in the role. You know, the more I can think of myself as, as having something to offer to be of service, to the project with these other people who are also being in service to the project, like kind of being on the same team, the better off I am. But when I go way down the rabbit hole of, Oh, are they going to like me? Oh, am I skinny enough? Oh, I have never had plastic surgery. Oh, you know, I'm so old. then I'm lost and as I'm not able to not do that. And sometimes I am, and it's just a joy. So, you know.
0: You win some, you lose some. God, I love, I love everything you just said so <laughs> much. That's, that's just fantastic. I mean, I'm like taking it all in as I'm thinking about it. It's so great, and you know, one of the just great, great blessings for Camila and I of getting to do this podcast is getting to talk to so many people and see the common denominators of what mm-hmm. people say. And what Thanks. you just said is a version of what we've heard from. A lot of successful actors, you know, the the kind of bring to it what nobody else can bring, which is you, you know, and Mm -hmm. and even though it's the successful actors that have said it, it's true of the people who haven't gotten their SAG cards too, you know. It's um yeah, it's great. Um, the other thing I really love that you talked about is being nervous. I was uh, I I was lucky enough to study with Larry Moss, acting teacher, and I will never forget something he used to say, which is he would say. There's a silver quality to being nervous, which I always thought like a glittery silver quality. And when mm. I think about your acting, Catherine, I really do like. I feel like there's that quality to your acting. Yeah, like, it's a little. It's it's like very alive. And I'm now I'm thinking, oh, maybe that's you know, you say you're nervous before every take, and I'm like, maybe that's that kind of glittery, silvery quality that you know. He's talking. It's like an exciting. It's obviously you don't want it to be. You know, so intense that you can't say the lines. But if it's just a little bit there, I think it does make it kind of like something exciting is happening.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I also think, yeah, and you're alive and nervous. feeling, and you're excited. It means right, things. yeah. So it makes sense,
1: right? You're vulnerable,
0: yeah. You're open, yeah. I'm sad that we're out of time, but if we what? may, can we ask no. you? I know
2: Jen. we can still talk.
0: All right. Should we ask? No worries. Uh, you're I mean, I know so you'll nice. have to edit
2: it for your podcast, but we can keep talking.
0: All right. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Let's do Let's do two more questions. Let's do one question, and then wrap it yeah. up, and then let's do Great. a bonus question. Okay.
2: Um,
1: so one of our members actually wanted to ask you. Michael. remember Michael. Michael. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. He wanted to, <laughs> Hi, Michael. To, to, Hi, <laughs> Michael. He wanted to, his question was, how tough was the audition for Law & Order? Or was it an audition? Maybe it was an offer.
2: It was. I have auditioned for, I'd say, ninety-eight percent of the parts that I have played. So, um, wow. And still to this day, I audition, and there are a lot of casting directors who won't even see me for things because they think they know what I can do and what I can't do, and it's actually kind of hard. Um, yeah, I bet. And that because of that Law and Order job, you know, when people think we still make it. We haven't made an episode in six years. I want to say maybe more. And I, all right, I'm going to be honest again. Please. Okay. Please I do. was I was not a Law and Order fan. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that honesty. <laughs> I never, I never watched Law and Order. Really, I was on a show called Oz. Oh
0: my God, which I loved so much, mm, and loved you on Oz. Oh, I'm
2: so glad that (laughs) show was such a labor of love. If you can, it was so you know such a intense show. But um, Tom Fontana, who was my boss on that, who was the creator and showrunner and everything on that show, he and Dick Wolf are. You know con- their colleagues friends whatever rivals everything you know friendly rivals and um they share uh taste and actors so a lot of the actors who were on oz like chris maloney um mm. andy wong uh a lot of them you know w- cross over to law and order so um i knew of it as a phenomenon of course everybody was working on that show in new york and i just never managed to do an episode or anything like that. And so, to be honest, I didn't really care if I got the job. I Mm -hmm. knew that it would be good to go in for a job in New York because it would be dumb not to. And so (laughs) I went in. And I think because I didn't care, Mm -hmm. I got the part. Um, So, uh, And also, I knew Vincent because he had worked with my then husband. Um, so I knew Vincent a little and he was not the easiest person to to find someone to work off of. So, um, and I also knew the casting director, Nancy, who Nancy Perkins, Mm -hmm. and was at a dinner party at another friend's, I was in LA shooting a movie with Kevin uh, Costner that I got cut out of and, uh, (laughs) called Dragonfly, and we were at a dinner party at a friend's house, and she said, oh, we just cast Vincent D'Onofrio in this thing. I think we're outside smoking on the porch of this house. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that's cool, you know. And I never <laughs> thought that it would end up, you know, that I would essentially be, you know, married to Vincent for a decade of my life.
0: Wow. wow. Do you feel like, I mean, I, I love the idea that not caring helped Do you think that also knowing all those people helped? Like, was that part of it or?
2: I'm sure it must have been. I mean, I, I
0: I asked that question because some, something we, another theme we hear a lot and is, is, you know, like Jonathan Silverman said in his podcast, like one of the things he wish he had done, he wish he wishes he had done, like looking back is like kept kept better track kind of of his contacts and stay, stayed in touch with people. And so I'm asking that not to say, like, did you get the job because you knew people? I'm asking it to say, like, how important is it to sort of take care of those contacts? You know, obviously you made a good impression on people. So you were, you know, like maybe like don't be an asshole on a job you're on <laughs> so that they'll, you know, say good things about you for the next job. You know, it's like, well, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> that's a given. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So it's more, I'm Although, more as clearly that. a lot get away
2: with it. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe right. they're onto something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do think, I th- I think taking care of those contacts uh, can be, can be uh, a good, good, like a good, good advice for actors starting out.
2: I think so. I think so. Although, you know, yeah, I guess, I don't know that I was very good at, that I've been very, I made genuine friends along the way. Yeah, who I have genuinely keep kept in touch with, and I I'm not a great networker. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not great at doing the thing because it's good for this other thing. Mm-hmm. I'm really not.
1: Well, it sounds like. Because you're a very authentic, mm-hmm. you're a real person. You're yeah. a real person. So it sounds like you know the networking is—it's not—it's friendship. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's like a, a deeper kind of appreciation of the person,
0: mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I think
1: is—is is, we talk about that as well. I think that is where you have to come from—from mm-hmm. from that kind of of you know service to another person in a sense. That's a—I think that's a nicer way to think of it.
0: Well, and I think knowing mm-hmm. the
1: difference between
0: colleagues who, like we said, you don't want to be a jerk to anybody right. and true friendships, which are, you know, what really get you through your life, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. We're going to end with this question, which is, uh, I I just love the subject of balance and, and sort of like- Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and finding balance. And I'm just curious how important that is- uh, To you in terms of, because I know you're a mom and you have your friendships and you have your career and you, you know, so like how, sort of how do you keep, and when, when you were working, you know, 14 hour days or are, you know, when you go through those periods, kind of how you, how you keep that balance.
2: It's really difficult. Yeah. Before I got the law and order, law and order job, I would spend a lot of time wishing I were working. I'd be home with my daughter, Maeve, who you know, is just a beautiful person. She is. And I would be home thinking, well, I want to be working. And then I would work and think, I want to be home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I really didn't appreciate my life on a daily, mundane basis until getting Law & Order and working 18-hour days for six months, Hmm. five days a week, uh, and crying in my trailer at 4 in the morning in the Bronx because Maeve was 5 and home and I was not there and I didn't get any sleep. You know, my idea of balance was then since I was gone so much when I was home, I would be up. You know, I'd be coming home with the sun coming up on a Saturday morning and I would get up at at 9, 10 to to be with her because I didn't want to miss I wanted to miss as little as I could. So I try to remember that when I think about taking on a series role, you know, going in for these series jobs because, you know, my son is 14 now, but I love life. I love my life. Mm -hmm. And um, I love to work, but I also have a big full life too. So lately my work has been more about how to um you know i i go in for every audition basically basically every audition unless it's something in vancouver that would a series in vancouver that would be really hard i go in for a series in in la i you know i now am willing to travel because carson's a little older and he can handle it but um i need i made rules about you know i wouldn't travel i wouldn't go on location because i wanted to be home and even if I were working long hours, I would still be sleeping in my bed, seeing my kids. But plays are very hard. I, I'm sort of unwilling to do a play at the moment because they do take so much time. Mm-hmm. and I'm kind of not willing to part with that time. It feels too fleeting. So, you know, my career is what it is. You know, it's a product of those decisions. They have an impact on my career. So that was a real you know that sometimes is hard for me to uh, square with you know in my heart, sometimes I get a little like, oh, if I would be doing blah blah, if blah blah, which is so useless, yeah uh, really. because i I really do love I love my life. so when I get worried about paying bills, then it gets a little hairy inside my heart, but. Um, not for long, really. Balance is—it's—it's it's a really important thing, and I think you know, all the, that decade of working those long hours on long Law and Order has afforded me this—you know—almost decade now of of doing less and having a different perspective and being more present at home and being able to show up for my kids and my friends and and use that. Uh, cachet and notoriety and that name that I built through that job to be an activist politically and raise money for uh, causes I believe in. And I've actually circled back around to doing political theater with, with this group, Theater of War. And uh, we go all over the country. They go all, all over the world, really, and have different programs about uh, post-traumatic stress for veterans, uh, addiction, something called the Addiction Performance Project, and to talk about uh, prescription pill addiction, domestic violence. So i am that's what I wanted to do when I was in college. And then I got caught up in trying to make a living and having a, have a career. And now I've kind of come back to this thing that I really, really, really wanted to spend my life doing and i feel very grateful to be able to do it so that's another kind of balance right right for yeah.
0: sure i love yeah. that and i love also like i feel like what you're saying a little bit too yeah. is like it's it's balances a little bit about boundaries mm-hmm. and that, and setting those boundaries but that they change you know like it mm-hmm. was different it was different depending on your kids ages it was different depending on where your career was it was different depending on how much money you had so mm-hmm. it's 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 you know it flows kind of it's yeah.
1: yeah. And also that acting is a career and it's not the definition of of who you are. It's, it's part of your life and it's a beautiful part of your life, but it's not every single aspect of your life. And right. I think a new actor gets – I think actors in general get very caught up in that because – it is so irregular and it is such a thing, you know, to and it be can alone. be all consuming and it can be all consuming to, mm-hmm. to say, well, I haven't done this or I need to do this or this has to happen. And essentially like, you know, be the star of your own life, you know, that's,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Katie, yeah. thank you and so I, much. Yeah. Oh, this, my pleasure. This, this is
1: so nice. It was so fun talking to you both. I mean, I'm sort of sitting here staring into space <laughs> know, and looking too. at Jen trying like, to telepathically communicate to her how amazing so am.
0: so, <laughs> this was. really, This was, awesome. was really pretty great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Thank
1: you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Speak LA, the podcast. We know you have big actor dreams and we really want to help you. For more insider tips on the LA film and TV industry, go to ispeakla.com and subscribe today. And of course, look for us at all the regular places, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time.